Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Bills Mafia, what is up Tuesday night? The first day of Buffalo Bills minicamp 2019, 2019, 2021 <laughs> is in the books. I am Matt Perino, joined as always by my co-host, my tag team partner, Ryan Talbot. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. If you are watching on YouTube, thank you. I saw the numbers waiting for us, the, the, the diehards, the old faithful waiting for the show. We told you we we're going to be live each and every day of minicamp this week to break it all down for you. And that's what we're going to do. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. If this is your first time here. Like this video. Uh, let's get the, the audience in the comment section popping here. What is up, Ryan Talbot? Not too much. 2021 is beautiful, Matt. I'm glad you could time warp from 2019 to be here with us. I get the confusion. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, Here's the thing. Good here. you, know, you know where it came from is that our big feature story of the day is the return of Star Latulale, whose last bit of NFL action came in the 2019-2020 season. So I think maybe that was just on my mind. Um, but yeah, big story coming out today. Last night, the Bills confirmed that Starla Tulele was going to be at minicamp. Uh, he spoke today. We can get into that. But honestly, my big takeaway just from the Starla Tulele story here early is just the excitement that I think the team has for him being back in the mix. I mean, Josh Allen talked a little bit about it today. We talked to Star, and he said one of the first guys that he saw was Ed Oliver, who came running up to him, giving him a big old bear hug. And, man, that's one of the guys that's got to be most excited to see Star Latula back in the mix here. Yeah, I was going to say, if there's one player that should be most excited, it's Ed Oliver. You know, uh, He wasn't the only player who was playing out of position last year at times, but I think it affected Oliver more than anyone else on that defensive line, whether we're talking players that are returning here in 2021 or players uh, that were let go after one season and are playing elsewhere now. You know, Oliver was a top 10 pick. I know you, when you take someone in the top 10, you expect some, that person to be an impact player. He was missing a vital part of that defensive line next to him last year. Not having that true one technique, having to play at one technique at times. 
uh, that throws your game off a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, I understand why Ed Oliver would be pretty excited to have Latule back in the mix. Yeah, we talked to him, and you know, it's it's crazy to think about, but we haven't talked to Star since the 2019 season. And so to go, you know, almost two years since the last time we, we were able to kind of check in with him, because, you know, he made a funny joke today that, you know, you know, I think it was John Waro who mentioned that he looked like a different version of Star, upbeat, excited. Usually he's kind of, I don't want to say gloomy around the locker room, but he's all business. He doesn't say a lot. But Josh Allen, I think he says he says two words per season there thereabout. But, you know, you saw the excitement. And I know that a lot of people were concerned about the retirement rumors, where Star kind of fell in the mix there. And he came out specifically today and said no matter what the NFL does, he is not opting out. He's not even considering opting out. He's back. He realized sometime during the season last year that he missed it too much. He still has something to offer in this league at 31 years old. And what's so important about him is that he has a skill set that I feel like no one really else on this defensive line has in his ability to sustain double teams, take them on, eat up space, and allow other people to create around him. I think Harrison Phillips can play that role. I think that Vernon Butler at times can play that role. But when you're asking them to be that guy consistently down in and down out, especially on the, in the early downs, first and second down, I think you're setting them up to fail a little bit and not really take advantage of their full, full skill set. Phillips in particular, he, he can be a really solid one technique, but I think that you unlock a little bit of his versatility when you allow him to rush the passer a little bit more and be a little bit of a chaos creator of it in his own right now, coming off of that, you know, now year two off of that ACL injury. Yeah, I agree completely. And uh, to Chris S in the comments asking about Star's physique, he's only five or 10 pounds off from what he usually plays at. He just seems to be, uh, you know, maybe turn more of that mass into muscle. He, he's looking pretty explosive in the videos that we've seen. So physique-wise, he's right where he needs to be right now. It, it's exciting to have him back. You know, you, you look at some of the moves that the Bills made this offseason, a lot of them on the offensive side of the ball, Emmanuel Sanders, Jacob Hollister come to mind. But the return of Star Latula, when we look back on the 2021 season, if he can stay healthy, I think that'll be the biggest impact on this team because the defense took a step back last year. And I think a lot of it started up front missing star Latule. And like you said, having that ability to take on offensive, multiple offensive linemen, freeing things up for Ed Oliver, freeing things up for the defensive ends, making life easier for Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, the list goes on and on. So I think this return, especially seeing how much work he's put in is going to be beneficial for the bills. And maybe just maybe this year off, is going to end up being a blessing in disguise for Latulale because you don't know what these players are, are dealing with. But here's a guy who's been in the league for about a decade, probably had a lot of little nagging injuries over the years. Having that full calendar year plus off to, to kind of rejuvenate himself, get healthy, that could pay major dividends for himself and the Bills this year. He said that mentally and physically what this year meant to him. It allowed him to kind of find some happiness in his personal life, spend a lot of time with his family, but also recharge the batteries a little bit. When you're asked to do what Starla Tulele does, I'm sure it, it takes its toll on the body. So from a freshness perspective, that's one piece of this. But you, you know, you mentioned a, a great, a great um, part of all of this and that the effect that it could have on other players. You mentioned it on your hit today in Rochester with uh, Gene and Danger, and I think it's right on the money. And I feel like there's this potential spiderweb effect that placing star back 
in the mix. While maybe not seeing him statistic statistics wise, you know, blowing up the box score, maybe Tremaine Edmonds tackle number jumps up. Maybe his impact plays playing behind a defensive lineman that can do the types of things that start can do, like we mentioned, Ed Oliver being able to play downhill and get after the quarterback. Sean McDermott specifically mentioned that when asked about Ed Oliver today. I kind of want to bring up the, the quote about Ed because I think that he, you know, I think that Ed Oliver factors into this thing as much as anybody when you're talking about Star Latulale. And it's something that you got to be careful because I think part of it is like, you know, you get Star back and you place these you know, unrealistic expectations on Ed. I know that coming out, I think fans kind of did that a little bit with, you know, the comparisons to Aaron Donald, you know, right or wrong, you know, that those are some huge shoes to fill and to be any version of that, I think would be a absolute home run of a pick, but let me see if I can bring up um, McDermott's comments on Oliver today. He was asked specifically, Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic, what are your expectations of Ed Oliver in year three? And he said, it's to affect the game. He's a top pick, and he's here to affect the quarterback and affect the game. And this will be an opportunity for him to develop into a consistent performer for us. I really appreciate the way he's worked. I think his offseason to this point has been one that's going to put him in a position to do what I just mentioned. But again, the work remains, and there's a lot of work to be done. There's an element of physical skill and there's also an element of the mental approach to the game. And those two have to come together for players to become elite at what they do. I know he's hard at work at combining those two to improve his game. And I think, you know, reading into that a little bit, you know, Ed Oliver, you go back to his, when he came in as a rookie, one of the things that he said was, you know, he kind of had an egotistical approach. He had to get to the show and realize that you can't just win on your athleticism alone. You really had to develop as a tech tactician and, and a technician out on the field. And, you know, as you get into year two and maybe things don't go as, as smoothly and cleanly as you hope, maybe there was a frustration level there with that. We haven't gotten a chance to talk to him this off season yet, but Sean McDermott talking about maybe, you know, dealing with the, the mental part of the game while also trying to evolve as a player. That's a difficult thing. And, it, and it's a big year. There's a common here, pivotal year for Oliver. No doubt about it. It is a big year for him. Yeah, w without a doubt. When you're a top 10 pick, you know, not only are there expectations from the outside, the media, the fans, uh, there's expectations by that player themselves. And I'm sure he thinks that maybe he's supposed to be somewhere other than where he is right now in terms of his his play, in terms of his stat line, what he was expecting when he first came into this league. Uh, but but make no mistake about it. He, he's made in, an impact at times. Last year, after uh, there was some talk from the Bills fans, on, on, in fact, in our comments, uh, there were some fans that were kind of calling him bust a uh, bust after some games. So I really focused on him. He was really moving the line. He was moving the offensive lineman back into the quarterback's lap. Maybe it wasn't turning into a sack, but he was making an impact on the game. And that's what Sean McDermott wants. Now, the Aaron Donald comparisons. Listen, Aaron Donald is a once in a generation talent. If Ed Oliver ends up being 10% of Aaron Donald, the Bills have a difference maker on this defense. Donald is special. There's a reason why he's year in, year out, the favorite to be the defensive player of the year. He's just that good. So that's such an unrealistic and unfair comparison. Throw those out the window. Just see that year-over-year -year growth. Yeah, you do want to see more sacks this year now that you have Latule back. You have a lot more 
depth and, and talent on the defensive end position. So now you, it's up to Ed Oliver to take that next step. And we've seen Bill's players year three do that on both sides of the ball. Now it's his turn to do the same. Another thing on star before we move on is, you know, the continuity on this defensive line, surprisingly, you know, might be something that a lot of people aren't thinking about. And, you know, Sean McDermott kind of tempered expectations with star today when asked about it, like, listen, he's got a lot of work to do. He hasn't played football in a year. There's a, an element of getting back up to football speed. I think there's an element of that with Greg Rousseau too, who opted out last year. We can talk about him in a minute for sure. Um, but there's a lot of continuity. Star Latula like, gets back with Eric Washington you know, people forget he played with Mario Addison and Vernon Butler in um, Carolina and, and bringing that whole group together, the experience that they had last year, getting those two guys getting to know Jerry Hughes, uh, Daryl uh, Johnson, AJ Epinesa, and now kind of mirroring all those things. You know, I saw a comment on Twitter, like the excitement level for this defensive line, and maybe we'll skip ahead to Greg and Boogie in a second because I want to talk about them. But that's a big piece of this, and I think that Star – you know, not only could he be that guy that helps guys on the field with what he does to allow them to play better, but also help connect some dots for players because of his experience with Washington and some of these other players. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, you, you have Star, you have Vernon Butler, you have Mario Addison, and now you actually have Eric Washington on the field with these players. Last year, everything was done over Zoom. It, it's not the same. Washington can talk to every player. He can break down exactly what he wants. But when you're on the field and you can actually see a player do something and you can critique them on the spot and say, okay, I see what you did here. Here's what I want to see. That is so big for those players. And to have multiple players that have played under Washington, that's going to be great for these younger players across the defensive line. You know, I, I'm not going to say that Washington's on any kind of hot seat right now. It's year two. Last year was a very unusual year. But there's high expectations for this defensive line. I, I believe it was from 2011 to 2017. No defensive line had more sacks than the Carolina Panthers over that stretch of time when he was their defensive line coach. Bills fans are expecting to see an increase in sacks when you have Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison. You have the rookies, first two picks this year. A.J. Epinesa, the Buffalo's first pick in last year's draft in the second round after losing the first round pick because of the Stephon Diggs trade. F.A. Obata, the list goes on and on and on. You're expecting to see a leap, and that needs to take place starting this year. I'm not saying they have to jump to the number one or number two in sacks, but you, you need to start seeing that progression, and having so many familiar faces should help ease that progression. Let's stay on the defensive line. I want to get to a uh, second-year wide receiver here in a moment. Uh, I wrote a lot about him today. But let's talk about Greg Rousseau and Boogie Basham and, to a lesser extent, A.J. Epinesa. Um, you know, this is a group that, you know, I asked Sean about, you know, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison's impact on these two guys today when we talked to him this morning. And you could kind of sense a subtle amount of maybe frustration from McDermott that maybe they they didn't come to OTAs and now they're in the building and maybe able to impart some of that veteran wisdom on the young guys. Uh, you know, maybe that maybe he's just joking around with uh, guys that he that played for him for a long time. But um, they're here. They're going to be here for the week. And finally, Jerry Hughes and Mario Edison are going to get to get their, you know, paws on these young, these young pups a little bit. But Rousseau and Boogie Basham today, they're two of the big takeaways. I mean, these guys are out there. They're flying around. They're making plays for Boogie Basham. He's moving all over the line. We can't get into too much of it, but they're using him in, in a, a variety of different ways, which I think that that kind of fits into what Leslie Frazier was talking about with Basham when we talked to him a couple weeks ago. There's really no, um, you know, 
blanket on what they can do with him. I mean, it's pretty much a, a free world for Boogie Basham, who's pretty pro-ready. I think that's one area of confidence they have in him. He made a play today. He tipped a pass up in the air. I believe it was, ooh, I think it was Mitchell Trubisky. It might have been Jake Fromm. I go, go, oh, here's a little uh, little plug. Go to Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com right now. Read my observations because it is in there, 1,500 words from today's practice. Tipped up in the air. Trey White is able to pick it off, run it back for six. Everybody goes crazy. That play is made. I know there's no pads, but, you know, a play made by, by Bogey Basham. Then on the other, uh, you know, other side of the coin, Gregory Rousseau, I was really impressed with him today. He also had a tip pass, ended up being an incompletion, one-on-one uh, -on -one with Bobby Hart, and he did what you're supposed to do to Bobby Hart, absolutely blew by him on an outside uh, speed move. Um, it was – I almost felt like Bobby, Bobby Hart was probably sitting there like, okay, dang. The, the rookie's got something here. I mean, that was pretty impressive. It would have been a sack if it was a regular game, in my opinion. He he kind of barreled down on the quarterback who, you know, I think got it away, but they blew the play dead. There's always kind of those in-between plays uh, during these no-pads practices. But both guys popping in, I think that that's really important at this stage that you're seeing them build confidence before they even get to training camp. Yeah, and, and that's what you need to see this year. Listen, you mentioned it. Having Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, it, it's going to be a great benefit to these young players, two guys that have been in the league about a decade each. Uh, sit them under the wisdom tree, so to speak. Let them learn this summer. Maybe both of the, maybe everyone makes the final roster, and, and you can learn from them this year as well. But eventually, those young players need to take over. They need to be. They are the next generation of the Buffalo Bills defense, defensive end position. Uh, they're the ones that are going to be expected to be those impact players. So you mentioned it, Boogie Basham, um, tip pass, turn into interception. When he was first drafted, they said, "Here's someone that has the V word versatility. Can play defensive end, defensive tackle. You can move him around the defensive line." Uh, having a player like that is something that Eric Washington's going to love. Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, all of them are going to love having players like that that you can move around in those obvious pass rush situations and, and bash them. You know, he, he's still even growing into the body, just like a Greg Rousseau, but he, he's going to get there and it's going to make him even that much better of a player. Rousseau, you knew the Bills loved this guy. Um, the Dan Morgan connection before he left for that Carolina job to Miami, you know, they did a ton of due diligence there. Uh, they felt comfortable with him coming off of the 15 and a half sacks, 19 and a half tackles for loss before he opted out last season. There's going to be some getting up to speed, getting used to the NFL game for him too. But obviously when you're picking in the late first round, like they were to get someone that had that kind of production, someone once again, where a lot of those stats came from him kicking inside and, and defeating those interior linemen, that's going to benefit this defensive line this year where you can give a lot of exotic looks and you can really try to confuse opposing offensive lines, quarterbacks, et cetera. Uh, even A.J. Epinesa, you mentioned, had a what would have been a would-be sack in a real game today. So you're starting to see it, and that's what you want to see. Obviously, they're not wearing pads, as you mentioned, but you want to see little flashes from all these players. Epinesa went through that season last year. Um, where everything was over Zoom early on. They didn't have him at the weight that they probably wanted him at. And now you're going to see those results this year, maybe, because he is body-wise where they want him to be. He knows the system. He's in year two now. The playbook's not going to be an issue for him. So I'm really excited to see this young trio and what they can do in 2021. One little quick note, and I know you mentioned it at the top. Uh, I want to talk about Isaiah Hodgins. We'll transition into him here. But on star... 
Listen, I, some people have mentioned like he looks smaller. I mean, he never was a big dude. I mean, even going back to like walking around being, you know, rubbing elbows with him in, in the locker room, you know, he's not a guy that like, you know, looks like a bulky one technique traditionally looks. He said he's about maybe five to eight pounds off of his playing weight. That's something that, you know, he'll probably be able to eat his way there in the next couple of months <laughs> before training camp even begins. So that's a storyline and a narrative that I think some people are pushing that, you know, it's just, it's June and there's folks that are bored. I'd imagine that the star Latule that you remember what he was able to do at the size he was able to do it at, you'll see a version of that in training camp. And if not, as we get into the padded practices, we'll definitely chronicle that for you. On to the offense here. We'll talk a little bit more about defense in a little while, but let's get to a wide receiver that, you know, consistently in these live chats were asked about, you know, all spring here. And that's Isaiah Hodgins, a guy that, you know, when you're, you're starting to kind of figure out the pecking order, when you get to Isaiah Hodgins in that pecking order, you get past the big three. I, I call him the big four. I, I want to lump Gabriel Davis in there. The kid had seven touchdowns last year. Then you got Isaiah McKenzie, who I think is so dynamic and versatile and you can use them in so many ways and you know Cole Beasley wasn't really running in the team drills today and Isaiah McKenzie made a really nice play on a nice little ball from Josh Allen and just the the speed that he has out of the backfield he's a constant weapon he showed what he could do in that slot receiver role last year so he's always like that you know you know uh you know, card that you can play at any point especially if you go down a guy but Hodgins is a little bit of a unicorn in this group from a sense that I think that you could probably put him in a pot with Jake Kumaro and Duke Williams. They're, si they're, 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 they're sizable guys. They're bigger players. They win at the catch point, all those kinds of things. But Hodgins is a little bit different in that he's got this like quickness off the line. And I'm going to read uh, a quote here from Josh Allen. I put it in my story. Another cheap plug. Speaking of plug, make sure that you like this video right now. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. But I asked Josh specifically today about Isaiah Hodgins, who had an unbelievable catch. I think it was on a, a long ball from Jake Fromm, his highlight of the day. Uh, put it in a great position where Isaiah Hodgins is going to win most of the time, unless he's going up against an elite cornerback. But with, with this wide receiver group, when he gets opportunities this season, if he gets them, you know, you got to figure the attention is going to be elsewhere. So there's potential if he makes this roster and they find a, a place for him. We can get into that debate in a second. You know, he'll be able to kind of make take advantage of some matchups. Here's what Josh Allen said about what he's noticed about Isaiah Hodgins. He's a longer body guy. He's surprisingly quick, and I'm not talking long speed. He's got that too, but just a short game quickness and getting off of a jam and make it a good release. He can do a lot of different things, and I think they've been kind of switching them at the X and the Z. So he's got the ability to play multiple positions. A little insight there from Josh Allen. You see him high point a pretty nice th thrown ball today and go up and get it. With those, not everybody has that ability to do that. His body control has been fantastic. And above that, he's a guy that likes to have fun, a guy that always has good energy, a fun guy to be around, and never a bad moment for him. So takeaways uh, from all of this Isaiah Hodgins love today, Ryan. Yeah, you know, I, I think last year was a blessing in disguise for me. He has a shoulder injury. He ends up getting put on the IR, uh, kind of gets a little bit of a red shirt season where it's hard to envision where he would have fit in last year as a rookie. Uh, would the Bills have been able to sneak him onto the practice squad, keep him there throughout the season? Who knows? But now, he, he again, he knows the playbook. He's been in the system now. He's healthy. He has a little bit of size. He's about six foot three. You mentioned it. He He's quickness off the line. 
versatility. Play him outside, play him inside in the slot. He's a much different slot receiver than a Cole Beasley and Isaiah McKenzie. And you can work that in into your uh, game planning to create mismatches on the field. So he brings different elements to this team. Now, as you said, the first four, five spots, they're all locked up. So we're really realistically talking wide receiver six, wide receiver seven here. Will that make a huge impact in 2021? Not in terms of touchdowns, receptions, and yards, but if he can make a, a few key plays this season in that role, a red zone touchdown, um, because the focus is on Diggs and Beasley at another point in the game, converting a first down and fourth down, whatever the case may be, then yeah, that, that is an impact. So I'm not sitting here saying, here's someone that's going to have 70 receptions, something like that. There's just so much talent, and unless a lot of injuries take place, you're not going to see a huge role for him. But in year two, there can be a role carved out for him where he can make an impact near the end zone or, or as that late wide receiver in those you know four or five wide receiver sets. Yeah, and I think that we live in a world now with this roster and what the strength of this team is in the passing game that you know seven wide receivers, eight's a little bit crazy. You know, it makes some sense, and you know they have with a guy like Hodgins, I think if he's comfortable with the playbook, depending at where he is um, once you get to the season, you can use him in a lot of different ways. I know that they have big plans. I think for Dawson Knox this year, Jacob Hollister is a little bit dinged up. I, I mentioned last week that he got hurt on a, on a, on a, uh, a diving grab that he made. He did not uh, participate in the team drills today, but with that kind of guy, like, you know, you go to two tight end sets. If Isaiah Hodges is a smart guy and can kind of learn the playbook it, at multiple positions, add value. You can use them in that kind of role, standing up or even on, 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 on the outside, if they get really creative and they got a guy in Brian Dable, who's probably, you know, he's been a bit in his bag over the last year. Maybe he does kind of experiments with some things like that, but this is a great sign that a, a guy who, if you think back to training camp last year, you know, was making some noise right at the start before Gabriel Davis kind of started taking those headlines away and now healthy you're kind of looking forward to maybe what he can do, especially for all these young players that didn't get a chance to really participate in the preseason last year because we didn't have one. Uh, that's a fun piece of this as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what he can do. I mean, I, I can remember back one year ago, John Brown talking about how Isaiah Hodgins and Gabriel Davis knew the playbook better than a lot of the veterans. Now, was he saying it kind of tongue in cheek? Yeah, absolutely. But they took their job seriously as soon as they were drafted in terms of digging into that playbook and, and knowing where to be and what to do. So that's really going to benefit Isaiah Hodgins here in year two now that he is healthy. Indeed. Uh, somebody uh, is asking about uh, AJ Epinesa's weight. I I've seen like multiple uh, questions about that. And uh, he's come back like, you know, trim, but I also think like he's come back athletic. I've not seen um, he was, he was 280, um, at Iowa. They asked him to lose some weight. So he got down to, I think as low as like 255. And then he said he felt more comfortable over 260. I'd imagine he's somewhere between that 260 and 270 range. And I think the ideal weight for him is probably somewhere around 270, maybe like high 260s. Once he, once most of that is muscle. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to say 265, 270 is where they had him. And, and a lot of those defensive lines in Sean McDermott's history, when he defensive coordinator now head coach with the Bills, uh, whether you're talking Carolina or Buffalo, that's been about the playing weight of a lot of those players. They like those bigger defensive ends. So it seems like he was a little bit too big at first. Now they got him right where right where they want him to be weight-wise. 
All right, let's move on to a couple of fun little uh, headlines you can write on this guy's name. Uh, I put it out there, Wild Goose is on the loose. I think Marcel, uh, he <laughs> Wild Goose chase today as he uh, had a big interception in practice. And listen, this is a, a nice play, and I wrote about this in the story um, from, from Rashad Wild Goose, the six-round draft pick out of Wisconsin. Kind of a little bit of his shine was getting taken away here the last couple of weeks. Some undrafted free agents, uh, Elijah Griffin, and we talked about Nick McLeod last week making some plays. Now, Rashad Wild Goose finally kind of makes his uh, emphatic uh, introduction, has a big interception today. It was a really nice, nice play. I, I think he tucked in there uh, on a Mitchell Trubisky pass, which, you know, this one wasn't tipped. This was just a bad ball for Mitchell Trubisky. And, you know, Wild Goose was able to get it. Uh, I think he would have, you know, he probably wouldn't have run it back for a touchdown, but in these kinds of like, uh, you know, sequences, you know, they, they blow the de play dead sometimes you never really know, but a really good play for him. Then he had another play where I think that Marquez Stevenson and somebody asked about him. He had one really good catch today. And this on this catch, it was like a little outside route, maybe 10 or 15 yards down the field. I think it was a good ball from, I believe it was Davis Webb. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. I think I wrote it up. He looked like he was out of bounds. I think we were talking about it in the media, but the ball got popped up. Wild Goose was right there, picked it up, and started running it back. The defensive sideline, which is where they where they were close to that, everybody was erupting. Micah Hyde always gets amped up on those moments whenever the defense makes a play. You know they're always um, competing there in practice. So, you know, a big day for Wild Goose who, you know, as we talk about him, I want to transition a little bit in this cornerback conversation because you know I put out a story yesterday, Ryan, uh, well, let, let's get your impressions of Wild Goose first, and then we'll get into that part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was interested to see where Wild Goose uh, was going to come on here. You know, he was a late pick in this year's draft, but the one thing I really loved about him is that Wisconsin, he came out of that Wisconsin defense. Uh, former Bill safety Jim Leonard kind of running the show there. Leonard plays an aggressive-style defense, uh, some a lot of pro terminology. So I was really excited to see what Wild Goose could do. I, I knew the mental aspect of it would be there. Uh, and I, th I feel like with the Bills especially, they feel like if there's one position that they can bring along, mm -hmm. it's that secondary. Uh, and especially at the cornerback position, you, you look at Levi Wallace, undrafted free agent, Dane Jackson, who's uh, competing for that number two cornerback role, seventh round pick, Wild Goose is in the mix. Last year, Cam Lewis, undrafted free agent, was given the starting job before he got injured, uh, That the nickel job that uh, Taron Johnson was on. Um, losing at one point in the season before he really turned his game around. So the Bills really do feel like they can kind of develop these younger players. I think that Wild Goose in time, maybe not early as a rookie, but mid-season late in, in his rookie year, could come on and, and see some significant reps as the year goes on and on. People, there is a segment of Bills fans, and, you know, rightfully so. I mean, we all watch the games. We all have our different varying opinions there is a portion that is not in the camp of trusting Levi Wallace for whatever reason. You know, he said some games. I've been pretty critical of him at times over the course of his career. It's undrafted free agent coming out of Alabama, who I think has superseded any wildest expectation for his NFL career. He started a ton of games in this league. I think he's had some really good games at times and he's earned a lot of trust in the locker room. And I think a big piece of why you haven't seen the bills make a move at the cornerback spot is these two guys that they really believe in, Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace. Um, Sean McDermott was asked about it today, and he said they've done exactly as I'd expect and we'd expect. They're pros. 
They're all class all the time and mature beyond their years. You guys have had a chance to interact with those two young men, their Buffalo Bills and the way they handle themselves. And I appreciate it. What that says to me, I mean, and this goes beyond what just Sean McDermott said today. I mean, every time we talk to Leslie Frazier, their teammates, Jordan Poyer on Dane Jackson, Trey White on Levi Wallace. These are guys that, you know, they believe in, you know, from the coaching within the coaching staff to the locker room, the players. If either of those guys are out there, they believe in them. So you, you got a guy in Cam Lewis who I think that they're still developing and they like his versatility and the fact that he really just hasn't been able to stay healthy in his opportunities. But when he's been on the field, he's been good. And then Wild Goose. And I think it, right there you have five cornerbacks. Does a vet make sense? Sure, it probably will at some point. But I don't think that they're behind the eight ball in any sense going to training camp with a competition that I think is going to be pretty good with the three of those guys and maybe four, depending on how Wild Goose gets going here. Yeah, and I love the point they just made about the veterans. I don't think that they're going to press for a veteran anytime soon, especially uh, in the middle of early summer, middle of summer, anything like that. Now, if the competition wears on, they're both struggling, that's when you maybe make that move. You know, we, we've heard Richard Sherman say within the last week, the money's not going to be there. He realizes that now. So now he wants to play for a contender while well, Buffalo is a contender. Steven Nelson, the Bills at least kicked the tires or inquired about him. He's still out there. As time goes on and those deals may become more and more affordable, the Bills might just do it just so they, they feel confident about the talent and depth they have at the position. But this right now, June, July, I think they really want to see what they have internally on this roster. Uh, where these players are in terms of their development, if they're in year two, year three, have they taken a leap? Have they shown any growth? Someone in the chat here just mentioned Saran Neal. He's another guy that I think, you know, this is a huge do or die year for him in terms of uh, where they expect him to be or where they wanted him to be. I thought last year uh, there were higher expectations for him in terms of where he might play or fit into this defense, and, and maybe he didn't get that opportunity for whatever reason. But, yeah, he's in the mix as well. The Bills have talent at cornerback in the secondary in general. And I think they want to see right now, June, July, even early August, how they handle those live game situations, how they handle training camp before they go out and they add a veteran. And you also have to remember that before the season starts, there's going to be a lot of talented cornerbacks that get caught around the league. And one of those players could get added close to the regular season in Buffalo as well. Mm-hmm. All right, back on the offensive side of the ball, Josh Allen and the quarterback room. Uh, you know, they they ran, I believe it was four different sequences of 11 on 11 today. Um, all four quarterbacks got some work. Um, I think I put in my story, Josh Allen finished at about six of nine. He had the interception, obviously, that was tipped. But I thought, like, you know, after that early play, you know, he was he was pretty crisp. Um, he mentioned, you know, the working on the in-breaking routes, that's just something that they've put a focus on. And one of the real nice connection was just on a, on a short in route from, uh, Stefan Diggs that was, you know, mid season form. And you expect that to be the case. I mean, these guys are very familiar with each other. This is the leading receiver in the NFL last year, caught every pass from Josh Allen last year. Well, almost every pass thing, maybe Mike Barkley had a one or two in there. Um, but Josh Allen looked crisp today as the day went on. Tip pass, going to happen in practice sometimes. Mitchell Trubisky and Jake Fromm, not so much. Davis Webb didn't have as many reps, uh, but he had a couple questionable throws as well. But, you know, Fromm had the one nice one. He's been throwing kind of a nice deep ball the last week or two, uh, which I think is uh, encouraging. You know, Trubisky, when he goes down the field, it's always kind of uh, a little bit of a, you kind of like sit back, like, ooh, what's, what's going to happen here? And, 
You know, he had the the interception, which was just – I just don't think he saw Wild Goose there uh, where he was throwing it. And, you know, just overall, neither of those guys really um, – you, you didn't leave the practice thinking that either of them had a, a really strong showing. And and that's to be expected, especially Trubisky still learning the playbook and everything of, of that nature. You, you know, there's only a a dozen franchise quarterbacks in this league, and, and Josh Allen's among them. Uh, maybe a little bit more than a dozen, but he's a guy that you expect to practice now day in day out to look crisp, to look good. Maybe every now and then, maybe you have a little bit of an off day. But these backups, they're backups for a reason. They're number three quarterbacks for a reason. Uh, from still very inexperienced, as we know, was rookie last year, was kind of hidden away from everyone as the COVID quarterback, Trubisky learning the new playbook. I, no reason for concern there yet. With Allen, I loved everything that he said today, whether it's expectations, talking about how, you know, no offense to the media, but his expectations are much higher than anyone out there. Uh, the fact that he mentioned the biomechanics, he, he went out and he kind of looked into that again, making sure that everything is crisp and where it should be. He's not going to rest on his laurels. He's not going to just say, "Okay, last year was good. I'm going to build. I'm going to just pick up from there and just go." He wants to make sure every his his ducks in a row, so to speak. So he's doing the biomechanics. Uh, he's building that rapport with the wide receivers, as as we've seen. He obviously has the rapport with Stefan Diggs. Now it's going to get the Emmanuel Sanders in the mixes, rebuild that chemistry at the tight end position with the Jacob Hollister. Uh, someone he played with at Wyoming, so there should be some chemistry there. It's going to be really interesting to see how he does. But, you know, the, the Bills are going to go as Josh Allen goes. And if he does miss some time, yeah, you're hoping Trubisky here sooner rather than later. The light comes on in terms of the playbook, so you feel comfortable with him uh, in that spot start role. But right now, it's still early, uh, not even quite – I wouldn't even say midsummer yet, obviously, because we're in, in mid-June – so give him some time. I think you'll see that him progress here as the months go on. Uh, I think a couple of people had this same question about like, you know, talking about who's done great. We usually focus on that and maybe not as much on the, on the folks that struggled. I mentioned Bobby Hart earlier. He, you know, that wasn't a banner moment by any stretch for him. Uh, I think that, you know, Tanner Gentry, somebody that I think has struggled a little bit uh, today. He, he dropped a long ball. It was a little bit underthrown, but, You'd like to see a better effort from the receiver in that in that um, sequence in that play, and just a couple of misses. Some of them were on the quarterback. We mentioned Fromm. I think Fromm had two plays in a row where he just had bad balls. The one to Tanner Gentry was over his head, so you really don't want to put it on him too much there. But yeah, I mean, in this setting, it's hard to to really come away with anybody that looked completely out of place because at times they're going sixty to seventy percent. Uh, today was a little bit quicker, but again, no pads. Uh, I think that those are, are mainly the names. Yeah, and again, you want to focus on who's excelling because that's generally who's standing out to, to you at this point of the, the year here in June. So there's always going to be a few guys that need to get up to speed that have a bad day, but you know, more than not, it's we, we try to focus on the positive here in terms of who's standing out for the right reasons. All right, uh, we are going to wrap up there, I think, because we're going to be back tomorrow. we got another practice out at the field. Leave your questions in the uh, comment section on YouTube or even on Facebook. We'll check that as well. Uh, we can talk more about that tomorrow. Uh, I believe same time. We'll shoot for 7 o'clock again. It looks like the same kind of, kind of day. Um, we appreciate your guys' support checking this out in the middle of June. 
talking NFL football, insatiable appetite amongst Bills Mafia. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Prino. Smash that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Let's get this channel uh, continuing to pop here. We'll have two more, hopefully two more big shows. Then, obviously, the break. We'll still have shows during the break. We're going to have a couple big, uh, hopefully some big interviews over that time, and then we'll get it ramped up again for training camp. Have a great night, everyone, and we will see you tomorrow.